Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 204, How to Share Your Story. Yeah, guys, welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast, where we talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone, every day. We're coming at you from the lovely WCSG radio studio in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I am your host, Lori Krieg, and I have alongside me my husband and favorite licensed therapist, Matt Krieg. Hey, Matt. Hey. Hey, how are you doing today? Doing good. Good. Hey, I also have with me, with us, my friend and the most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hi, guys. Hey, Steve. How are Hi. you today? Uh, I'm doing great. Yeah. I got a compliment on my shirt. So I know. As soon as I walked in, I said, Steve, <laughs> you're looking good. I like your shirt. And I said, Matt. We need to get you a new shirt. I just bought I like you a new shirt. shirt. <laughs> 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 I just bought him a new shirt at a grocery store. So jury's out to see if it's uh, worth anything. But guys, thanks for joining us. We're so excited to dive into the conversation today covering how to share our stories. How do we share them? Should we share our stories? And at what level should it be just with one other person, community and uh, the good, the bad and the ugly with the pieces of our story with those around us? us and to help us engage some of those questions swirling around in my head and after I sent you <laughs> the script swirling now in the in the men folks heads uh, we have with us Brenna Blaine Brenna welcome to the whole in my heart podcast thank you so much for having me Lori you know I had you on my ca- uh, podcast and after we talked I like I I cried for a long time and so Aww. I kind of I'm a little bit starstruck getting to be on your podcast. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Oh, Brenna, that was such a sweet conversation. I'll probably link to that. I will link to that in the show notes. Um, there was just something that happened there that just the spirit stirred something. So God, let it be so today, but zero pressure, Steve. Thank you for uh, rolling out the bio so we yes. can get to know our friend, right. new friend of the podcast, Brenna. Uh, just so we can understand a little more about who Brenna is. She obtained her BA in theology and biblical studies from Multnomah University in Portland, Oregon. She has lived in the Pacific Northwest her entire life. Her greatest joys are her two sons and her husband, Austin. And while she speaks on many topics, Brenna is especially passionate about God's involvement in our pain and personal struggles, including mental illness, same-sex attraction, and abuse. Ooh, it's going to be good. I already feel it. And she just finished, just I feel like I can add this in, she just finished her, uh, your first draft I hopefully the final draft, but your first draft of your book that's coming out at some point in the next year. But guys, keep an eye out for it. But I'm sure we'll be talking about that today. But Matt, we have a question of the week, don't we? Yeah, we want to get to know Brenna and some of our listeners even better by asking or answering the question of the week, which from this last week was, are you a pumpkin spice, everything, can't wait to put on a sweater fall type of person or no? Do you like fall or are you, you know, hard pass on that? Brenna, we're going to shoot uh, it to you. I love fall. I was born at the end of October. And so the most like nostalgic memories and moments of my life are all focused around like the month of October Aww. and being in the Pacific Northwest is like the first rain is like the most exciting. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I know you're not really supposed to talk about the Enneagram anymore, but I'm an Enneagram (laughs) for like very moody person. And so like the rain 
And just the weather and everything about fall is very much my personality. I love it. Matt laughed extra hard. Why'd you laugh extra hard, Matt? Uh, Enneagram four. Listen, listen. (laughs) Fours are the best number and the moodier, the better. Hey, hey, I'm seeing thumbs down to our Enneagram five producer, video producer, Zach. Anyway, uh, Steve, roll out the first answer uh, from our audience. Yes, I appreciated this one that came in from Facebook. My name's Annie, and I'm from Illinois, and I do not look forward to fall. I really hate the anticipation of all of the trees becoming bare, the temperatures becoming too cold, and I really, really, really do not like pumpkin spice things. (laughs) But the one thing I look forward to in the fall is apple cider donuts, because they are one of my favorite things of the year. So there is one highlight. I'm guessing Annie's probably not an Enneagram 4. Probably not. So she didn't like pumpkin spice and she didn't look forward to the barren trees. I was feeling that. There was a poem in there. She might still be a four. (laughs) She likes the donuts, though. The apple cider donuts. Nothing wrong with that. Why'd you pick Annie's? For that very reason. What? Donuts. Donuts. (laughs) (laughs) I feel you. Uh, And here is the one that I chose. And I got this answer from... I think Facebook too. You guys had a lot of feelings and a lot of answers. And the primary one was either yes or no times a billion on pumpkin spice. And (laughs) the general consensus is yes to coziness. All right. Mm. Which one? What do we pick? I'd rather have summer all year. I do love the fall colors, pumpkin spice, cider, and donuts. But the pretty fall only lasts a couple of weeks. And then it's more like winter. I like to swim in the summer, be in the sunshine, and I love the longer days. <laughs> Steve, we basically copy-pasted, picked the same person. Kind of almost. Because <laughs> they're like not a fan of fall because it leads to winter, which is sad. Right. But they do like donuts. But the little, and the for this one, the little period there where the colors are pretty. The colors are yeah. pretty. Mm-hmm. Craig, what'd you pick? Yeah, I picked from Instagram, Carrie Ann Wed. Assuming I'm saying that correctly, but she said, absolutely cozy is the only way to live. And that just reminds me of Alice. Who is our four-year-old. Is our four-year-old son, who is the coziest little gentleman you can imagine. (laughs) I've been looking for a boy shirt of about size XS, 5T or something that just says cozy. Because if he could just sit with you with a blanket and a fire and uh, maybe... Yeah, he will, he will one day have elbow <laughs> patches on his tweed like sweater vest or whatever. Yes. Like, I don't know how he does it with a sweater vest having elbow patches, but somehow he'll pull it off. Mm. Literally, I said, if he picks up at four years old smoking a pipe, I think I'll let it happen because it goes with his vibe. No. <laughs> can't joke about that now. All right, guys. We are going to shift now into the heart of the matter because we want to get to know our guest, Brenna, even more. We're going to shift into those heart things. Uh, so this is a question that we ask every guest, Brenna, which if the gospel is, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. How was that gospel first good news for you? And how is it still today? Mm. You know, I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was actually a pastor when I was young. And so I knew, I knew kind of, you know, what my perception was a laundry list of what is right and what is wrong and what Christians believe and. Um, but for me, that that kind of shattered 
fairly early in life, um, between the ages of nine and 10. Um, my, my grandma who always talked about Jesus, who had always just been this very vocalized version of, um, someone who's really an evangelical believer in my life, um, got cancer and died. And I remember that was like the first person in my life that I remember praying, Hmm. Lord, would you, like, if you were real, would you heal her? Hmm. And so, she died um, when I was nine, and then the right before I turned 10, my parents sat us down and said, hey, um, your dad made some choices, and he has to move out, and we're getting separated. So my dad uh, moved out of our house, and a few months after that, after I turned 10, um, I was molested by a, um, almost a complete stranger in community sports. And so mm. I was sitting there as a 10-year-old going, okay, I go to church, and I've been told my entire life that God is good, but no one's talking to me about like what happens when you're abused, right? Mm-hmm. Does God care? Does God still care for you? And so I um, had kind of, you know, my parents didn't know that I was abused and I kept all these things with me and and they really shattered my um, my adolescence. And so I, I just kind of like marched along um, through high school pretending to, to be a Christian. And at age 14, I realized I was attracted to the same sex and went, oh, that's not compatible with the faith that I grew up with either. And so I had this idea that when I would go to college, that's kind of when I would burst the bubble to my family that, no, I don't, I don't believe in this God. No, I don't believe in these things, but, um, I hated school (laughs) and I did really bad at it. I went to a college prep high school and just really struggled. And so I was like, man, I can't, I can't go to college. Um, so instead I'll do the Christian thing that's easy for everyone and I'll go into missions and I'll, I'll do a gap year and do six months of missions and um, went just totally faking the whole thing. And when I was there, had this radical encounter with the Lord, I saw someone um, get healed in front of my eyes and I went all of a sudden, wait a second. What if Jesus is who he says he is? What if this God of the Bible really is a healer and really is with us and really does care about us and really did make us? If those things are true, there are some pretty heavy implications to that on my life. And I need to figure this out because I've never seen anything like this before. And at that age, that was kind of when I was like, okay, I, if, if this Jesus is real, then I can surrender my sexuality. And if this Jesus is real, I cannot go back home and live a life not surrendered to him and not engaging in ministry because if he is the hope of the world, there are so many people who need him, including myself. And just from that point forward, saw Jesus prove himself over and over and over and over and over and over again. Hmm. And it has been trial and error for me on my part (laughs) of learning what it means to be a follower of Christ and learning what it means to be faithful to him. 
but it has just been this wildly beautiful journey of realizing I can't save myself. There's only one person who can save me. And that's actually really, really good news for me mm-hmm. because his name is Jesus and he cares about me and he's, he's with me. I have his Holy spirit. And so, um, that's, that's, that's kind of what it looked like in my story, just from a, a short perspective. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing, uh, even that short perspective of your story. And, um, so we're wondering as we're talking about, you know, sharing your story, how has that gone, you know, picking it up from that point and kind of reentering life. And just even since then, what's it been like as you have shared your unique story? Oh, I mean, it's been different in different seasons. I remember, um, coming home and kind of acclimating back to the real world and figuring out, okay, am I going to be in vocational ministry? Am I not? And kind of along the way, um, leading some small groups. And I remember the first time sitting down, I had this small group of girls who were seniors and they said, Brad, we would just love to hear your testimony. And I went, Oh, (laughs) do I tell them the Mm -hmm. truth? Like I had never really shared about my sexuality outside of, you know, some of my closest friends. And then my husband, who at the time was my boyfriend, um, and going, Oh, I think I, I think what I feel is conviction to say this and, um, and kind of like stumbling through that and, just getting like a very gracious response from these young girls and then going, okay, I don't think I'll ever really do that again. <laughs> and, and I remember, I think, I think, I, I think after that I prayed, like my, even my parents didn't know yet. And so I remember going, okay, Lord, if you want me to tell my parents, like, would you just give me an opportunity? And I was in the car, I think it was like 2016. I was in the car with my mom driving someplace and she looked at me and she said, hey, do you know this this guy named Preston Sprinkle? And I went, no. <laughs> she said, well, he has this really neat ministry. And she started talking about LGBTQ and um, people with same-sex attraction and, and people of faith. And I, it was just like this conviction and discernment that the Holy Spirit was like, this is the moment you asked for. Mm-hmm. Here it is. Do you, do you want to? say and i and i just started sobbing and kind of like choked through that that story with my mom and um after that i had a friend who said hey i heard i heard you shared something with some girls and he'd been making ministry videos and he said would you be willing to share what you shared with those girls on this video and i thought yeah like Sure, that's no big deal. And that was in 2019 and it it went up on Instagram and um, could have never anticipated what that one video did and how how it changed probably the trajectory of my life and, and the trajectory for sure of the ministry that I do. Um, and I think from there, once COVID hit, I was doing about at least three interviews a month on podcasts, um, sharing my stories. And then once COVID co- started closing down, started sharing on on some stages and um, ended up now writing a little bit about it um, in a book, which still feels 
not like reality, but this odd twist and turn of reality. Yeah. Wow. Well, so, I mean, you're, you're writing the book or you're, you're, that's not a, an accident what comes out on the page and everything. Like how, how have you gone about discerning like how you share, what you share, what the limits maybe are of, of the stuff that you're mm. putting in the book or staying on the stage, you know, and obviously you're in this kind of more public space now, you know, but if you can even think about the, the, the personal relationships, like how much you share and what you share in those as well, like how do you discern that? Yeah, I think the first question that I have not always gone to, but that I try to go to now faithfully is why? Why do I feel like I need to share this or want to share this? Um, is it because I want attention? There have there have been moments um, where I've gone, ooh, I know that this will do really well online. If mm -hmm. I say, and and that was not the right motivation to have been sharing those things. Um, and if you get to the point where like, oh man, is the why that I truly feel like God is asking me to share this, then, then walking out and, and parsing out what parts of, of this story am I supposed to share and in, in what context? And I think, something that's been super helpful for me is having people in my life who love me, but love God more than they love me and love God more than they love my quote unquote success so that they can help discern, but then also be kind of objective about, about what it's about because it can't be about your platform or your hope to have a platform. I think it has to be about, our obedience to God. Like, is God asking me to share this or is God asking me to be silent? And sometimes that looks like never sharing something that, that could get you a lot of attention. And sometimes that looks like sharing something that, you know, will bring up interactions that you would otherwise really would rather run from. Hmm. At what level, like the personal with your parents or, maybe your current small group, if you have one, or mm -hmm. bigger stages, what level was the hardest to share your story? Definitely m with my parents. I think there's, there was never a point in my life where my parents were people that were unsafe to share with, like they've always been safe. But there's just something, I don't know what the anxiety is, but it's like, I don't, I don't really care what a stranger thinks that much about me and my life. But when it's my parents, it's like, mm -hmm. oh, man, am I is is there an aspect of my story that's hurtful to them? Or is there something about my story that's disappointing to them? Or is there, you know, like there's those layers of questions that come up when you're thinking about, man, when I was going through this did my parents have a, like any idea? And if they did, were they, were they struggling with how do I interact with her in this, in this aspect? Or, um, I think, I think there's just so many endless questions that come up when it's the people closest to you, especially when maybe there's a feeling of, 
oh, maybe they thought they know me. And when I shared this, will they feel like everything else was a lie or will mm-hmm. they feel like, you know, all these, all these different things. And it's always ended up well. It's always ended up um, safe for me. But it was definitely the moment of telling my mom that was, that was the hardest moment for me. Mm-hmm. So as you think about um, people that you've spoken to and, and people that you're talking to right now and uh, that are listening mm-hmm. to this podcast, what would you say, like, what's the ag- advantages, I guess, of, of sharing, you know, your story and, and the challenging parts of your journey uh, more publicly? What would be the advantages and maybe the disadvantages? Mm. Um, I think the, the sense that God, God in his goodness didn't cause these bad things to happen to me, but in his redemption and his redeeming all things, um, that he can use the aspects of my life that have been traumatic and painful to allow others to know that he cares and to also show like myself, like, I mean, I, you kind of hear these reflection questions, but when you're working through trauma, sometimes there'll be a prompt to to ask God, where were you in that moment? God, can you show me where you were? And so kind of walking through those things and, and maybe um, it's a little bit cliche, but getting to be the voice that I, that I wish I had heard growing up. Mm -hmm. I wish so badly Mm -hmm. that I had heard growing up from someone who was same sex attracted, who clung to a a biblical sexual ethic. Mm -hmm. I wish so badly that I like that would have saved me, I think from so much grief and pain. And I think hearing someone talk about being abused like that, that just would have changed so many things for me. And so there's a sense of, even though God didn't want me to go through these things, he didn't cause these things to happen that in his redemption, that he's doing a good work. I think the cons, um, especially I think for me specifically, the cons mainly revolve around the digital world. Um, (laughs) There are no boundaries and there are no social cues, right? When it comes to how people interact with you online. And so people will say anything that they want to you and and they won't get to it because there's a screen between you and the person, they won't get to experience your humanity. And so there's uh, there's like no sense of a threshold. You don't get to experience a, a so like people's social cues. And so, Usually when you're talking to someone, you say something that you don't know is offensive. You can kind of read on someone's face. Oh, dang, like maybe (laughs) I should explain. I didn't mean it that way, but you don't, you don't get to do that online. Um, And so there's that Um, people will misunderstand you, especially in writing and like with how short, let's say like Twitter, there's caption, caption limits, all these things, people will misunderstand you. Um, people will use your words to prove a point that you would never want to prove, um, that you would never yourself stand behind. There's a lot of learning to trust God in the process of telling your story um, in these public spaces and learning how to pursue 
healthy boundaries for yourself, like within the the world of um, a digital platform. Yeah, that's smart. Mm-hmm. How how do you know in your like for yourself? How do you know which parts of your story that you are, I, I guess, ready to share? Like which parts have maybe healed enough to really present out there, and and which parts are are maybe too fresh or too raw to really put into that vulnerable spot? Um, if I'm able to slow down, you know, I'm someone who like loves, like if an idea jumps into my head, I want to do everything right then and there. So I'm trying to learn like the, (laughs) the process of slowing down and asking. And the first question that I try to ask in relation to this is how will people's reactions impact me? Like if every, if every reaction I got to sharing this was negative, would that destroy me on the given day, week, season of life? Like, am I able to handle that? And not just, am I able to handle it? But, um, I think then going beyond that, asking your closest people again, who love God more than they love you, um, and be willing to hear the hard answers, right? Like if they say like, hey, actually, I don't think you're ready to share that or I don't think this this season would be a good season to share that or I don't think that that detail should be involved in in the sharing. Um, are, are Am I willing to hear that and listen to that and heed that warning? Um, knowing that it is because they they love me and because I believe that they hear from the Lord and maybe they're hearing from the Lord on my behalf. Um, just trying to do that. And then I'm a big believer that I think everyone should go to therapy no matter, like, I think everyone has stuff. I know people are like, I don't have stuff, but everyone has stuff. Mm-hmm. I think everyone should go to therapy. And I think a therapist is a really good person to kind of um, measure and rule and weigh some of these things with. I, I was just talking to my therapist today about boundaries that I need on social media moving forward in order to continue showing up online in the most healthy ways. And so hmm. just being willing to hear the people around you because your self-perception um, especially as it's entangled with your flesh, isn't always going to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So a lot of people, or at least I've encountered a lot of people who feel this sense to write books or call to speak, mm-hmm. or they're like, I really want to share my story. And we, we've kind of talked about this question, but I kind of want to dive in a bit further. How can mm-hmm. you know if that sense of urgency is from God or from yourself? Yeah, I think for me, I have to tease out my temptations. I have to know myself to the point of going like, I, I, there is a dopamine hit in my brain mm-hmm. when I get an increase in followers. So... Am I wanting to do this because I think that I'm going to get an increase in followers? And Mm -hmm. it's easy. Like, I think in this day and age, it's easy to be like, well, 
it's glorifying God. Just because it's about God or points to God doesn't mean it's like, that doesn't mean that's what the obedient thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like really teasing, like knowing yourself enough to go, I would love for this to happen. I would love to get asked to speak at this place or to do this thing or to have this, this amount of followers. Is it, is it one of these things? Um, and then again, like, continuing to call entrusted people. And then I think the Lord is pretty, I think when we look to the Bible, there are some things that the Lord asks us to do and calls us to do when we're seeking him and we're seeking discernment. And so um, I I think the two basic things are um, fasting and praying and just like we, like not rushing the Lord into giving us an answer, but really like waiting on the Lord and seeking his face and going like, man, I feel like, I feel like you're calling me to write a book. I don't know what that's going to look like. I know that I have these issues of temptation in these places. Would you rid me of those temptations, Lord? Would you make it clear? And would I not make a move until I I feel your peace in in these things? Um, And then be willing to be held to that. Mm -hmm. So, what would you say, like, what would be a piece of advice that you would give somebody listening who maybe they are wrestling with envy because they're seeing somebody, you know, somebody else mm-hmm. who has a platform and is able to kind of share their story and they're feeling like they can't, or maybe, you know, like they're discerning that they maybe shouldn't, but they still have that kind of those feelings. What kind of advice would you give to somebody who's, who's in that place right now? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I have to be honest and say, I struggle with this. Mm-hmm. I struggle with going, oh man, that like that person got asked to speak at that conference and I would love to speak at that conference and I've always wanted to speak at that conference or whatever it may be. There's a few different things and just um, sitting and going, do I believe that God knows what he's doing? Do I believe that God is faithful even when his faithfulness means keeping a door closed to me? Um, I think when I've talked to the Lord about this, um, I think there's been times where it's gone, where I've gone, okay, I always say, hey, I only want to speak if I, if I would actually be a good fit. But do I mean that? And when I take a step back and go, okay. Brenna, you're trying really, really hard to get your foot in this door. But what if you sharing at this specific thing or what if you sharing on Instagram or whatever is actually more harmful to the people hearing it than it is helpful? What does that like? What does that mean? What does that do to your testimony? What does that say about the Lord and just being willing to trust God's faithfulness, even if I don't understand, even if I like never see the outcome, do I trust that God keeping doors closed or saying, wait, just wait, just wait, just wait, that he is right and that he's good and that he has a plan and that it's okay. Um, It's something that, yeah that I'm still struggling with and trying to learn to be more content. But I think my prayers always start with like, 
Lord, I want to trust you. And right now I don't. Mm -hmm. So would you will my heart to trust you? Mm -hmm. And just kind of starting with those honest prayers with wherever you're at. Mm -hmm. That's good. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Really like the, just how you've been just very focused on God in this prompt this process that, that there's an Mm -hmm. awareness of maybe your own tendencies, you know, your, your own kind of heart response, you know, but Mm. then this constant like turning back and, and saying, God, like you be the, you be the one who judges, you be the one who, who critiques and, and like tells Mm. me what is right in this. Um, do you kind of go into the other side? Like you, you have this heart that wants to share, um, Mm. Have there been times when maybe you've you've shared something and then immediately wanted to put it back into like Pandora's box, like you really wished you hadn't said something? Because I know there are people out there that that do feel that at times. And would you have anything to say to them? Yeah, I mean, I think I have to go back to parsing it out again and saying like, okay, Brownell, why are you feeling this way? Are you feeling this way because you were disobedient? Like, did you share something you weren't supposed to share that you, that God asked you not to share? And now you're dealing with the repercussions of disobedience. And if that's the answer, am I willing to repent and walk in the opposite direction of that um, and seek redemption in that? But then there are other moments when it's like, I hate that I shared this, but I know, like, I feel peace in the fact that I know the Lord asked me to share this. And then just sitting and going, I think so many times we're, we like brush off the idea of talking to God, or at least I do. Like people are like, cast your anxieties on him. And I'm like, I hate that verse. That's so cheesy. But then when I sit down and go, wait a second, did I actually try doing that Mm. when it comes to sharing my story and and like just having absolute anxiety about what people know about me on mass public platforms, sitting down and going, Lord, my heart is like racked with anxiety. What do you have to say to me like do you have words for me or comfort for me or peace for me because this is where i'm at and actually like spending time with your father and expressing where you are at and and i'm always surprised just by the act of speaking my emotions to the father and the communion that happens in that moment and being ushered back into a place of peace and going, maybe I'll never be, be comfortable, but I am content. Mm-hmm. Can I can I ask a follow-up? I mean, because you talk about like the, the more public space of, of like mm. sharing there, but like what have what have you seen in more of your like personal relationships? Like how has being vulnerable and, and open, even in that public space, affected I guess your levels of closeness, like in those people who are actually like intimately involved in your day-to-day life. I have experienced what I could only ever call biblical community in a way that I never thought would be a reality through being honest and through people wrecking, like just faithful people in my life who have said, man, like, 
God has called you to this crazy ministry of like, of, of being vulnerable, but I get to see you every Wednesday and every Sunday, and I will faithfully pray with you Mm. every time that I see like having it's I've just never really experienced that until this, these last few years of going, there are people in my life who every time that I see them, they remind me that they are praying for me and they ask how they can continue to be praying for me. And when I have needed help, they have shown up because they recognize, I think, the sense. Um, I think just like, I, I think there's this like glamorous side and this maybe like fake perception of being um, a platformed person in ministry. And then there's the reality that life is just like, it's just hard and it's really, um, it can be really, really lonely. And so I think having people be on the flip side, so people not on the other side of the screen, but people close to me have been faithful and just saying like, I don't know what it's like to process having having to do this for your ministry, but I know that I can be faithful by checking in with you every single time that I see you. I don't think I'm explaining myself very well right now, but I, I just have never, whenever I've read about biblical community, I've always thought like, that's nice. You know, the old, uh, the new Testament, they had it, they had it easy because they were so close to the existence of Jesus in the flesh and that's great. And it will never be like that. And then now all of a sudden I find myself in a community that I'm going, oh, this is, this is what it's like hmm. to be in communion with God, in communion with God's people in the house of God. Relationships of sacrifice that aren't about what I can get from you or what you can get from me, but how can we serve each other knowing that? I don't live an easy life and they don't live an easy life, but we're all trying to live lives that are pleasing to the Lord and that are saying to other people, Jesus is worth it. So that's awesome. Yeah. I think you're explaining yourself just great. Yeah. So last question, is it worth it for someone listening platform or not? Is it worth it Mm -hmm. to open up and be real? I think it is. I mean, I, I have yet to meet a person who has walked closely with Jesus who said it wasn't worth it. And I think like, I love the book of John because it so often expresses the fact that life with Jesus will be difficult and that you will suffer. Like as Christians, we're always running towards our, talking about the promises of God that seem very um, good for us to receive. And then there are those promises in John (laughs) that we see that are like, man, this is this, you are going to suffer. You are going to have a hard life. People are going to mock you. People are not going to like you. Like just the reality of what it is like. And yet you are walking in relationship 
with Jesus who, I love it in John where it says, take heart. You are walking with the person who has overcome the world. And so to know that my future reality is is life in wholeness and complete healing with Jesus, but also that's my, like, my reality is with Jesus now as well. Like, it's not just like, I, I I will wait for healing to come in the future, but that doesn't mean I have to wait for Jesus. The fact that I get him now, that's a life that I could never fully explain, but I could only ever hope for every person that I meet to get to walk in that reality as well. Mm. Amen. Yeah. Man, Brenna, thank you so much for opening up this part of your story with us today and with our listeners. Um, I really hope and pray and believe that there's a piece that everyone's going to pick up from it today. So thank you for your time and uh, sharing your story with us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So guys, I will link to uh, that Instagram that Brenna was talking about and uh, the podcast episode that I mentioned at the beginning that she mentioned that we did together before. But Steve, Matt, we did this last time. I, mm-hmm. I want to make this a part of season seven. What stood out to you from the episode, what we just talked about? Steve? Uh, I really appreciated just kind of what she said there at the end about authentic community um, and people who are kind of walking with her as she's on the journey she's on Mm. that like every single one of us, uh, followers of Jesus should have that, Mm. you know, and we were talking a couple episodes ago, I think about just like a longing for authentic community that I think is just in uh, so many people right now. And I don't know, just like Brenna just made me think somebody has got to go first. If that's what I'm longing for, I need to be authentic and just kind of like open the door for that. Yeah, that's great. That was in the shorts, I think, your yes. episode. Yeah. So the third one. Mm-hmm. Matt, what about you? I think the thing that really stuck out to me was not like a prescriptive, you know, how to line by line share mm-hmm. your story, but much more just that attitude of, okay, I, I want to share my testimony and my story, but I don't want it to be this like self-focused consumptive thing. And so that constant like mm-hmm. going back and like, communing with God to, to really understand like when and how and which portions mm-hmm. to, to say like, like it, I think we all need that because we all have different stories and God is leading us toward different stories. And so there is no like one size fits all of how to share. Yeah. I like that too. I appreciated her humility in saying, I still wrestle with envy. And I mean, isn't it like the, I just think it's hilarious how like the two richest bajillionaires in the world, they're always like being mean to each other on Twitter <laughs> yeah. and they're like, I'm the richest. No, I'm the richest. And I'm like, it, it's the stinking hole in our heart is that it's never satisfied. You're never going to have enough followers. You're never going to have enough money. You're never going to have enough anything. It has to be Jesus. This is your kingdom. Where do you want to put me? <laughs> where's the, where are you putting me God in order to do your kingdom work so I I appreciated that reflection we have a question of the week for next time guys and we want to hear from you if you want to answer the question of the week you can find us uh, hold my heart podcast Facebook group just search hold my heart podcast answer a couple questions I'll let you in the group uh, or you can follow me on Instagram Lori Krieg to IEs in the Lori and the Krieg <laughs> this is the question 
what are you kind of dumb at? And you're just accepting it at this point. <laughs> For example, I am dumb at pretty much grocery stores in general, but fruits and vegetables specifically. So Matt will be like, hey, Lori, can you go get some leeks? Leeks. What are leeks? Do you know what leeks are, Steve? No, I'd be there with FaceTime and Thank asking you. Kelly where, yeah, to, where sent I should a picture go. And, and like, said, find leaks, point yeah. to leaks. I, no, yeah. I got to do it better. I got to do it better. Okay. I took pictures <laughs> of the entire produce lineup at Meyer, which if you are in the Midwest, Meyer's gigantic. And then I send it to Matt and Angela, my sister. And I, I just text point to leaks. <laughs> so <laughs> they like go through all the pictures. They circle the leaks. I send it back. Also, Angela, same sister, she said, can you get me a dragon fruit? I brought a mango. Again, in my defense, what the heck's a dragon fruit? I didn't know it was a thing. Thank you, Steve. Steve and I are both dumb at fruits and vegetables, and we're just accepting it at this Mm -hmm. point. So, Mm -hmm. guys, I want to know, what are you kind of dumb at? And you're like, you know what? I'm too old, or who cares? And I'm done with it. Mm. Steve, what are you kind of dumb at? Uh, Well, since you took that one, uh, I'm going to say sports. Oh, yeah. I'm not. There's no shame here, man. You yeah, go, what, what are you kind of dumb about So them? all of them, the regular <laughs> ones, for the special ones that come around r- less often, like the Olympics, I'll enter into it because of the stories. Yeah. Because they, they, they craft the story of this athlete or this team or whatever. And then I'm like, okay, I can totally track with it. But if it's just like stats of you know this yeah I know. wonderfully not boring guy who just <laughs> i'm like what are you looking at on your phone it's numbers tons of numbers yeah zach of all trades is nodding matt yeah. matt i need to know you're dumb at something because you're very smart at Please. lots of stuff um i don't know if i'm allowed to say this but knowing who's gay <laughs> given our marriage i'm like uh, i'm a little bit my gaydar is off <laughs> 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 I'm literally the worst at it. <laughs> it's true. Matt has the worst gaydar, which makes him a great therapist because they'll all come to him and he has no assumptions about you. He's just loving whoever you are in front of him. Not that he's, he's not going to assume anything about you. And that is how we got married is Matt's gaydar stays. <laughs> <laughs> is that kosher? Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, we're going to say it. Okay. Leaving it in. Okay, guys. <clears throat> Thanks, Brenna Blaine, for being a part of this podcast. Thank you to our host, WCSG Radio in Grand Rapids. Thank you to Zach of All Trades, video guy Zach. And for all of us here, that's the Hole in My Heart podcast. We're going to go be a little dumb at stuff. <laughs> we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>